Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Today I'm joined by Thomas Waller, who is the CEO and co-founder of Unicast, a leading location data company based out of New York and Oslo. As a location data company with a major European presence, Unicast is particularly aware of the new GDPR privacy regulations in Europe. And Thomas and I spoke about the challenges involved in trying to change consumer attitudes towards personal data and how it can be used for positive reasons. I began by asking Thomas about his background with the music streaming service, Tidal, which was ultimately bought by Jay-Z. Yeah, absolutely. And Mark, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Uh, and, and you're right, I've been kind of in the tech scene for about 10, 12 years now. Uh, I'm originally from Norway, from Oslo, live now in the States, just outside of New York. And uh, prior to starting Unicast, me and my co-founder, KJ, we were also the part of the founding team at the music streaming service uh, named Tidal that was acquired by the famously rapper Jay-Z. Uh, so that was a very interesting journey, building the whole music streaming category alongside uh, Spotify. Uh, I think we, we did some great stuff. Uh, we learned a lot. Uh, it never became the $23 billion IPO as, uh, as Spotify, but Tidal actually laid the foundation for starting our next company, Unicast. Just quickly, what, what is it with Scandinavia and, um, and streaming music? Did, it, did Tidal come out of Spotify or is it coincidence that you were both in the same area? It was actually like a big uh, coincidence. I think one of, the, one of the reasons why streaming came out of Scandinavia was because both Norway and Sweden was very early when it came to 3G and high-speed internet. So it was easy, kind of, it was easy to um, stream music, which requires uh, great internet speeds, and which also meant that piracy was very common in Scandinavia. Uh, you could download from Pirate Bay and all the torrents. So there was a there was a desire from the music industry to try to battle uh, the piracy industry. And that's why Norway and Sweden and Denmark were some of the early adopters of that technology. Well, us and the British Isles have been familiar with Scandinavian piracy for a very long time, I'll have you know. Yeah. Um, but, um, and so, sorry, you were saying, so, so how did Unicast come about? Yeah, so, so the, there is actually a connection between streaming music, Tidal, and Unicast. Uh, because as, as you can imagine, at Tidal, we knew every single song that people listened to. And based on all that data, we built playlists and recommendations and so on. And as a, as a fun fact, Justin Bieber actually has a huge following base, male 50. So that was something that our data, uh, data could tell. But what our data couldn't tell was where do people go to concerts? Because we badly want to figure out if you went and saw Beyonce on a Sunday, we want to recommend you Beyonce music Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And this was back in 20, 2014, 2015. And to our big surprise, we couldn't get access to this type of data. Like no one had really understood what people are doing in the physical world. You could get a lot of social data, online data, transaction data, music data, etc. But where we spend our time, concerts we go to, and then also like stores, cafes, restaurants, travel patterns, that was unknown. Is that because the mobile phones weren't collecting the data or it was being collected and not used? Oh, no, you're right. Like that was, that was at the beginning of when apps started to become location enabled. So in 2014, 2015, there was a few apps that started playing around with location, lo- location services. 
Uh, we played a bit with other types of data sources, Deacons, for instance, which never really, uh, really took off. Uh, but we've been focusing on the on the GPS data from apps and publishers uh, since, uh, because we we very much kind of saw that well, if a streaming service out of the Nordics need this data to build better products and to make better decisions, there must be multiple other companies in multiple other verticals in need for the same insights. And that was the start of building Unicast. So you saw the opportunity, and so what does what does Uni what what did Unicast look like when it when it first emerged? Yeah, it's it, it looks very much like the same as we're doing right now. Like the vision is exactly the same. It's about understanding human mobility, and understanding how people move around on the planet, and build data sets and insights that other companies can take advantage of. Of course, um, five years ago. It was very limited data available. Uh, we didn't really understand what verticals we should sell this to, which one were mature enough, which one had the capacity and the knowledge to onboard and use location data. So while we always want to understand how people move around on the planet, places that they travel to, restaurants they dine at, etc., it's been a journey for us to build out the knowledge of human mobility and to match that towards the right verticals and the right use cases. Okay. So what does, what does Unicast do? It gathers the location data and then what does it do with it? Yeah. So we, we have built like over five years, we built uh, a huge data set globally with location data. Uh, and as an example, in the U S alone, our biggest market, we see a third of the U S population on a monthly basis. Uh, so it's a very dense uh, data set. And then we have an amazing data scientist team based in Oslo, Norway, that are really taking all these raw geo geolocation signals and building models and algorithms that allows us to understand patterns to detect that people are inside a store, moving on the highway, if they are migrating from New York to California. Uh, and then our clients, we, we tend to kind of serve sophisticated clients that get access to the curated data sets uh, that has been prepared by us. So they can include this into their BI tools, into their models and into their decision making. Does it, how much, so is it, is it, have you created the system where it's quite automated? So if somebody stays in the same place at the set, but for eight hours between the hours of kind of, you know, 11 PM and 7 AM, then, then. Do you have an, an algorithm where it says, okay, that's, that's sleeping, you know, that, that's yep. a sleeping yeah. dot. Spot on, spot on. So like from an aggregated perspective, and we always look at data um, ag aggregated, these are all the different models that we have spent years on building, like understanding how people are dwelling, right? Dwell is a big, big word for us. Dwell means that um, a device is seen within a certain boundary for a certain amount of time. And then if you layer a map on top of there, we know that, ah, this person was at uh, Walmart uh, for X number of minutes on a Sunday. And then all this, all this data is, is an aggregated into, in, into insights. So we can tell like a larger story about uh, a population. Okay. And so I imagine, does that require a fair amount of mapping as well in terms of knowing where Walmart is? Yeah. Exactly. So kind of one, one part of our business is sourcing in the location data, which is just raw geospatial signals. Uh, and then the second is then layer on top different types of maps so we can provide the context 
because basically what we just see is uh, a latitude and a, and a longitude and a timestamp. So somewhere on the surface of the earth at some point in time, but there's no context, right? So we need to add maps and this is where we have um, in the US more than 5 million, what we call points of interest. So 5 million different venues, restaurants and bars and shopping malls and airports and grocery stores. And then, then, then we can tell what are the shopping patterns, for instance, for uh, people in, in California during the pandemic. Okay. Um, and so what does your product look like? Yeah. So our clients, as I alluded to, like they are pretty sophisticated clients, data scientists, analysts, re re researchers, uh, they know how to work with data. So what they basically get is a data file on a daily or weekly, weekly basis, but it's very easy for them to include this into their BI tools or into their, uh, different, different models. Uh, and to give kind of an example, uh, real estate is a vertical that we focus uh, quite a lot on uh, because real estate is an interesting, interesting industry. Um, there's like massive transactions being being made, hundreds of millions of dollars, like billions of dollars in real estate uh, investments. However, that industry hasn't been really data driven. There's been a lot of anecdotal stories, a lot of gut feel, where to invest, etc. But we, for instance, help real estate to say, if you are considering investing in two buildings in New York City, what of these two buildings are having the highest foot traffic? Because the one with the highest foot traffic, you can most likely then get the highest uh, amount of rent. So it's really helping them kind of become more data-driven uh, in that perspective. Um, and so that would be a commercial enterprise looking for a place to build a shop for or invest four shops, that kind yeah. of thing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So would you say your, your kind of retail focus, that's where most of your insights are or are there other applications? I say most of our focus lies within uh, research and analytics, which is a very broad, broad, broad field. Uh, that could, for instance, be uh, we have clients that have been using our data to uh, look at social distancing behavior so they can calculate, calculate uh, the number of potential infections and then the number of potential hospital beds required during COVID-19. So like a very in interesting use case, but most of the product development and the focus that, that we do are within real estate and retail. Okay. Um, and so, so what does your client base look like? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty diverse uh, client, client base. Uh, research analytics is big for us. Uh, same thing with retail and real estate but also insurance companies, pharma companies. Uh, we have consultancy firms that are all using our data uh, to support their, their clients. So how would, a, how would a consulting firm use your data perhaps, if they tell you? Yeah, well, they, sometimes, they, uh, sometimes they kind of give us a, a little uh, peek in, but uh, retail is an interesting field, right? Because retail, of course, they've been battling e-commerce for many, many years. E-commerce has a massive advantage, tons of data, like tons of data uh, available. But retail, surprisingly, have very limited data. They know what's happening inside the store, right? There's a broad, um, broad adoption of different uh, in-store technologies, cameras, etc. So you can see people walk in, how many people walked in, uh, what shelves are they spending spending time at. But the second the client leaves the store, it's a black black hole. But we can close close that gap. So we pro provide a lot of competitive analysis to retail clients. So 
if you go to war to Walmart, you also go to these types of uh, types of uh, places. Um, and we also help um, investment firms, for instance, like private equity firms, uh, understand if they have a port portfolio, how's that portfolio stacking up against competitors? So really, the competitive landscape in retail has been. Uh, yeah, it's been like a black black hole for many, many years, but location data allows us to shed some light on it. Has anyone uh, given you an insight into how they connect your data with perhaps other data sources to make a, to make an overall picture? Yeah, and this is where we realize that we are just and like we're just one ingredients, right, into what our clients are uh, basically building or the decision that they that they uh, come to. So we see that our clients are. Uh, adding demo, uh, demographic data on top of uh, our data in cases where we don't provide that. They also connect this to a lot of their own internal data sources. That could be CRM data. It can be investment data that they have. So I think this is a bit of the, the beauty of being a data company. We know that we are one part into a larger puzzle, but we focus on one thing only, and that's to really understand human mobility at the most accurate level. Okay. Um, and so in terms of um, human mobility, obviously you need, uh, you're getting the location of every single, uh, well, a third of America, you're saying. Hmm. Um, have they, have they, do they have to opt into this? How, how, how does that work in terms of privacy? Yeah. So privacy is something that uh, is a kind of big part of building a location data company. I personally care a lot about uh, privacy coming from Norway is one of the trickiest countries to start a location data company in alongside uh, Germany because there's very strict privacy guidelines. So from the first day we started started uh, Unicast, we focused a lot on making sure that we knew the privacy landscape, um, how you collect data, how you store data, and how you can utilize the data. And if you talk about Europe, for instance, there's like very strict GDPR uh, compliance uh, where we are one of the few location data companies uh, ad adhering to. And that means that there is a clear opt-in uh, from the user when they share data, who they share the data to, and what the data is being used, used for. The US is somewhat slightly behind uh, CCPA, which some of you have maybe uh, heard of, uh, is something that's applicable in California. Uh, but we actually uh, approach that same uh, to the whole of uh, US. So we are seeing that there's a development into creating a clear and more transparent relationship between the data collectors and the end end users, which I think it's it's paramount and it's absolutely uh, necessary uh, to build this really exciting in industry. I see. I've seen you mention before that you think a problem with this is the. Is a, it's that the data, uh, the privacy aspects, all of this regulation, but the whole conversation has come from a slightly negative perspective because it started with with adverts, advertising, and so people see an opt in and a and and a you know granting uh, use of their data as being invasive, and someone's mm. ultimately going to going to sell to them. Um, and I've I've seen you saying that you're you're hoping and trying to drive a change in the conversation i mean do you think that's a do you think that's a short-term thing what are the what are the challenges yeah no i think you you touch upon something that's very relevant and 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 real is like at the bottom like people's privacy needs to be taken into consideration and and we need to we need to protect that 100 
But if you look at the evolution of the location industry, to your point, it started with with marketing, right? And do people generally like seeing ads? No, they 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 don't. So that's where some of this kind of negative connotation has started. But we have seen now, and especially during COVID, that a lot of the use cases now, which location data enables, are on stuff that benefits society, right? So we launched a social distancing uh, scorecard, which you can see on our on our website, which which um, shows how the U.S. on the state and the county level are adhering to social distancing. And that has been used by more than 10 million people. And we, we've gotten so many good, like great feedback from the community and individuals saying, hey, thank you for helping us shed a light on social distancing from healthcare workers that, uh, that said, thank you for kind of trying to, uh, to keep the hospitals uh, not reaching capacity. Is your brand attached to that index? Can they tell that Unicast has done this beautiful thing? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, pretty visible on uh, unicast.com. And so do you think, is there a future potentially in branding Unicast as, as a nice data company? You know, if it's Unicast, you can be you can be sure we're not going to use it for advertising or anything like that. Is that the route to try and to try and uh, break into the, the, the negativity by by being a, by saying that you're the good guys? Well, I think we, we always we always wanted to be the good guys uh, in this industry. And I think we honestly are uh, the good guys, meaning that we constantly encourage and push our data into use cases that actually matter. Um, mm. And we also discourage a lot of use cases that we don't think the data should be used used for. Uh, and as an example, and I think this is, this is also another interesting uh, discussion when building a data company because adhering to privacy is very straightforward. Either you're on the right side or the wrong side of, of the law. And to be on the right side, that's totally manageable, right? You know what to follow. You just have to kind of make sure you are on top of it and, and compliant and, that's, and that you develop alongside how the privacy regulations all, also develops. But there's something about ethics, and ethics in data is going to be a very big topic going forward. But the challenge with ethics is that it's not right or wrong. It's a subjective discussion, right, of how do you want the data to be, to be used. So many years ago, we established an ethics committee in Unicast, which is people from different cultures, people from commercial and engineering. They tend to have different, different views on this. So we have a pretty extensive ethics uh, guidelines, like 25 pages with these are the use cases that we encourage and these are the cases that we dis discourage. And there's a lot of use cases that is being brought up in the ethics committee where we say, you know what, wow, this, this could be a great way of making money, but it's not what we want the data to be used for. And as an example is around the election. Um, back in 2016, we did no kind of work around the uh, election in regards to providing this to advertisers or to researchers and we kept that of course during this election uh, as as well so we and i think this is this is kind of where companies need to to make to make a stance where do they want to sit on this ethics uh, ethics line because uh, in 2016 people were asking you for your for your um, movement data weren't they and, and you judged that they were asking them for negative reasons and you said no is that right yeah, correct. Because all the all the negative connotations and how data was negatively and like uh, misguiding uh, the the population, uh, 
um, which of course we have seen even even more of in uh, 2020. Um, so I think that's that's just one one way that we as a company have said, you know what, that's not where we think our data um, is going to make the best impact. Um, well, I think uh, another thing you should get your get yourself in front of uh, get your face uh, and yourself connected as much as possible because I think. People have got good feelings about Scandinavia and, and things like this. There's a good, there's a good branding, and people wouldn't think that. I don't know. There's, there's just a, there's a positive, um, you know, almost not anti-capitalist, but, but kind of a, a more ethics-based uh, surround idea surrounding Scandinavia. So um, that's another thing to, to in your favor. Yeah, well, it, it's definitely something that we think a lot about uh, in the company how to how to navigate this very exciting space, but making sure that we do it in the right way and that we support those cases that can that can make 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 a difference. Uh, for instance, we've been helping with um, California wild, wildfires, right? How do people uh, evacuate when these wildfires uh, start? Uh, and, and, and we can look at these movement, uh, movement patterns so that uh, emergency responders, et cetera, can be more prepared for, uh, for next year that gas stations can be filled where people actually need gas to get out of that uh, emergency uh, scene. So there, there's so many amazing cases that the team has been has been working on that I'm really proud of. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and just to, just to segue on from that, so um, obviously the year of COVID has been the year of uh, alternative data in many ways. How has your how has Unicast been able to um, to thrive in these uh, difficult surroundings? Yeah, we are like COVID has definitely been the year where location data has been put very much on the map. Um, one of the reasons is, of course, like this is something that no one could uh, foresee. And what literally changed overnight was that people's mobility patterns changed. Uh, so we like back in March, as I mentioned, we built a social distancing scorecard where we grade every state, state and county from A to F uh, in terms of how well they are doing social social distancing. And that has become like a huge hit. Like more than 10 million people have used that tool and governors and mayors like logged into the dashboard uh, daily to see how their state uh, and county were doing. And now, now we're seeing even more use of it as the virus is surging. Um, but at the same time, we also saw that understanding that social distancing was one big uh, aspect, but social distancing impacts retail. So we also build dashboards that allow retailers to better monitor foot traffic to their stores, to monitor foot traffic to their neighborhoods so they could understand how, how and when they, they should reopen. Like it took only retail a couple of days to shut down, but of course it takes way more time to reopen this. Um, and if, if there's like very limited foot traffic in the neighborhood where you have your stores, it's probably not worth uh, reopening. Uh, so that's the way that we've been helping retailers navigate uh, the pandemic. Okay, that's. I suspect that's going to be more useful as well in the coming year as things start opening up more for good. Then yeah. you can really track that, track that from your side. Yeah, you're right. Um, and so, and so from your side, we've talked a little bit about um, the changing climate around privacy, which which should be in your benefit. Are there any other major changes, perhaps technological or any any major projects coming from you and in terms of the the year two years ahead? I think kind of what what we have seen um, during COVID is it, it's been a year where the use of location data has been accelerated, and we know there's a lot of verticals that have or industry that have seen. 
um, seen an, acceler an uh, acceleration. Um, I mean, what we have seen is that more industries that we thought were going to be ready in maybe two years, five years time, and now coming and saying, hey, we need this type of, a type of data now. We need this to navigate through the pandemic and make sure that we make the right the, the decision. So that's basically kind of what our team focuses heavily on is to support as many of these use, use cases that are uh, com uh, coming in. And either that is in real estate, it's in, in retail. I, I think city planning is going to be big as well going forward. Like you see how cities are, I think we are going to go back to a normal. I think it's going to be somewhat temporary that people are flooding cities. People will come back. And in that sense, cities, cities need to see themselves as products. They need to understand how people are moving around so they can build better and sustainable cities. And that's uh, that's the evolution that we definitely want to be uh, taking a part of. It's an interesting topic that the um, uh, Bank of International Settlements, I think, released a report which was essentially explaining that if the economy is about to change, um, then what we want is not necessarily, I mean, the government's challenge essentially is to uh, support the companies which will uh, emerge strong from this and not support the ones which don't fit into this new into this new system. Um, and actually, I would say something like Unicast could be quite useful for identifying which companies have a future and which ones don't. Um, they're just based on footfall and things like that. Yeah, no, you're right. And a lot of people talk about Let's take New York as an example. Uh, it's it's never going to come uh, come back to the same. What about all that real, 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 real estate? I believe that a lot of that real estate is going to be repurposed because the buildings was, will still be there, but they will be used for something else. And then it's the question, what are they going to be used, used for? And that's where mobility data can be a very important data source to help answer some of those questions. And I also think that cities are going to change in the ways that people are using them. Um, to kind of to give one example, now with New York, where indoor dining is not allowed, you've seen how restaurants are now putting out outside dining on the curbside. Um, we've, we've been helping a couple of companies in New York to understand what streets should they shut down uh, without impacting traffic too much. And I think that's a great use case because suddenly you're seeing how New York, which has been this like high uh, trafficated city, are shutting down streets and making it more into um, into areas where people can walk around. There, there would be restaurants, bars, and so on. Well, Thomas, please come and do that in London as well because we definitely <laughs> need we need more of that. Yeah, um, Thomas, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting, and it sounds like you've got a very busy 2021 ahead of you. So um, I wish you the best of luck with all of it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Mark.